you're listening to a collective of Mission City Fellowship. Collectives are classes for gathering and growing in grace together. In a collective, there's teaching and sharing from those in attendance, but we purpose to only record the teaching portion of the collective class. May this teaching bless you. May it deepen your understanding and knowledge of the Lord and His Word and lead to your growing affections for the Lord and His people. And so, impact the way we live life with one another at Mission City Fellowship. how to help people, how to, how to process some of the stuff going on in my life. Uh, you know, as I've said, I've been, I've been really influenced a lot by the Christian, uh, Christian Counseling Education Foundation CCEF and the ministry that goes on there and the counselors that are there and the literature they write. And, and I do want to make you aware of, if you're interested in a deeper dive in this subject, worry about, well, a few years ago, about three years ago, CCEF did a, their, their annual conference they have all kinds of online resources. I think it's like $99 you get all their sessions and everything. If you're interested in doing a deeper dive on this, obviously some of what I'm giving you today will be coming from, from them and what they what they have taught. Uh, but just wanted to, to let you know that I can wholeheartedly encourage that if you're interested in doing a, doing a little bit more on this. Uh, but just like you, I am learning how to deal with anxiety. And the flip side of anxiety is fear. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I am learning how to deal with my own anxieties, my the fears that come up in my life. I'm trying to, to deal with it just like you are with, 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 with the help of Christ, with the counsel of the Word of God, and with the support of a community. All of those are essential. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. All those are essential in our growth and grace, and they're absolutely essential and in our dealing with the kinds of anxieties that we deal with. Uh, we need the person of Christ, we need the word of Christ, and we need the people of Christ in our lives. Uh, if we're going to grow in grace. And there's just no other way around that. Those are the means that God himself has given to us. And, and so my desire and prayer for our time is that God would allow us to move from anxiety to trust and from fear to faith. Wherever Wherever we're dealing with that in our life, whatever is, is coming at us or that is presenting itself, whatever struggle may be going on in our lives, that we are moving from anxiety to trust, we're moving from faith, from fear to faith. And we're doing that in very specific, targeted ways. Okay? Uh, one of the things that David Powelson, who was part of CCF, <clears throat> he, 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 he made this comment, God is always going someplace good with. I just, that's always stuck with me. He's always going someplace good with you and with me. Um, and, and he's doing that and wants to do that and is actively moving us in the areas of anxiety and fear. He's going to a good place to trust and to faith. So, again, these three articles, again, I want to make you aware of those. Um, if, you, if, if you need more uh, during our break, which we'll have, we'll have at least one break. <clears throat> You're welcome to come and take a look at that. Uh, <clears throat> over and over again, Scripture commands us that we are not to fear. We are not to worry, and we are not to be anxious. It's interesting. Think about this. The most repeated command in Scripture is do not fear. Or fear not. Fear not. Don't fear. Okay. But just being told that isn't enough. And that's oftentimes, I think, where Christians, they think if we just tell people what to do, that that's enough. Um, that's not the Christian faith, and it's certainly not the gospel. The gospel isn't God telling us what to do. The gospel is God coming alongside of us and doing it for us first and then doing it in us and then keeping us in there. We talked about this a little bit before. Being told what to do, what to do doesn't give you the desire to do it. It doesn't give you the strength to do it. And it doesn't give you the knowledge of how to do it. 
And we talked about, I mean, if you think about it, there's law and there's gospel. Those are two of the basic reformed paradigms that Scripture gives to us. The law is just the law. It tells us exactly what to do, and the law is holy, and the law is true, and the law is just. But there's nothing in the law itself that can make us do it. Matter of fact, one of the purposes of the law is to demonstrate to us what we can't do, that we do come up short again and again. This is why Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law for us and then to work that in our life to where now he provides what we need in the areas of the desires and the strength and the knowledge. He's working that in us. That's, that's part of the gift of our salvation. God doesn't, I mean, it's like following the law can't save you before you're born again. Following the law doesn't save you after you're born again. It is Jesus that saves you all the way through until we get into glory. And even then he sustains us throughout eternity. And so he keeps, he keeps, the scripture keeps pointing us back to Jesus and all these things. This is why we have a great Savior and we have this great salvation. Jesus provides all of these things for us. So from the very beginning, I want you to hear this truth as, we, as we're coming at this topic of anxiety and fear. Really praying that the Lord would move our heart towards his peace. That Jesus Christ really is our hope in this. He is our rescuer, and he's our redeemer, and he's our savior, even as he's our Lord. And that, that is, if, if he's not there, then let's just go home. And he is mighty to say. He is able to keep us. He is able to address the anxieties and fears of our lives. And the more we know him, and the more we walk with him, and the more we understand who he is, the more we see that he is our all in all. He's everything that we need. And so just think about who he is. Because this is, this is what's going to help shift us away from fears and anxieties being so big to Christ being bigger is when we keep focusing on who he is. When we're, we're, and we'll hit this again and again, but when we're in our life, when we're in our day-to-day -day kinds of stuff, when we're, and, and the stuff is coming at us left and right, it is very easy for that to feel so much bigger than the Lord. It is so, much, it is so easy for that to feel like it, 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 it's more powerful, and it's certainly at times we feel that it's more pressing. But that's when we just keep coming back to Jesus. He is our salvation and our deliverance and our standing. He is our acceptance and our strength and our peace. He is our hope. He is the cornerstone. He is our high priest. He is our lamb that takes away our sin. He is our hope, our cornerstone, our provision, our sustainer, our joy. He's our foundation. He's our head. And he's our life. So as we're processing these things, just keep, we have to keep coming back to Christ who, who, who enables us to do that which God commands us to do. He is at work within us to do, to, to will and to do according to his good pleasure is how Philippians talks about it. So with kind of that as an introduction, let's look a little more closely at anxiety and again its counterpart, fear. Anxiety and fear. <clears throat> Anxiety and fear um, are everywhere in our life. Uh, as a matter of fact, David sent me an article that was in uh, Wall Street Journal just about it's actually becoming a big business. You know, there's a lot of money to be made from people who are dealing with these things. So I, I kind of want to just take some time to, to deal with some of the, the most common psychiatric diagnosis um, about it. This is one of the things I've, I've learned through my courses, is that oftentimes the world, the non-Christian era, they do a much better job at understanding and describing the situation. Christians just jump ahead. They, they just want to shortchange that. And when we do that, uh, we lose some integrity, we lose some compassion and ability. But the world often is able to describe what's going on. Now, when it goes to solutions, we're like, whoa, it's very, you know, we pull back on that. But I think we can learn something from how they describe what's going on to some degree. And so I just want to talk about the different kinds of anxieties and fears that we see in our, in our, in our world today. The first one is OCD. You know what that is? Obsessive.
compulsive disorder. This is a person who has thoughts or behaviors that feel overwhelmingly strong to them. It's almost an uncontrollable urge to repeat thoughts or to repeat actions over and over and over again. Okay? Uh, they're just obsessed with things, and there's variations of this. Okay? Excessive, an example would be, you know, excessively double-checking things, such as locks, or to make sure the stove is off, or uh, whatever it may be, you know, making sure switches. You hear people that, like, they can't leave the room unless they turn the switch off 12 times, or whatever. There's something in their, in their brain that that, that that brings them some, some level of relief or some level of, of, of peace when they, when they do that that often. Uh, so excessive... Excessively doing things, repeatedly checking in on loved ones to make sure they're safe. Uh, counting, tapping, repeating certain words, or doing other senseless things to reduce anxiety. Sometimes OCD people, they spend a lot of time of washing or, or cleaning. So that's OCD. And there's various, there's various levels of that. And I think I mentioned this last time. There's a young man in my church back in Buffalo. Who, who dealt with a, a very specific expression of this called scrupulosity. Where he was over-the-top obsessed with the will of God and how do we know the will of God and how am I in the will of God and it was debilitating in his life. It was, it was just, you know, and he would go down these rabbit holes and you could see it on his face. Um, and, and that's a very difficult thing. And again, I've, I've talked about him before. That young man is a wonderful husband and a great father who works for all that. So there's hope. But there were many years we got weekly phone calls from him just trying to help him work that. Another issue of anxiety and fear or some of the more common diagnosis, it's called panic disorders. Panic, these are panic attacks. A sudden feeling of terror comes over you when, when there's no real danger. I've, I've experienced not to a great degree, but I've had some of that in my life. Uh, I, I, I have that every time the elevator doors close in front of me. I have that moment where I'm like, I'm never getting out of here. <laughs> I, I admit, I, I'm much better about this now. I, I'm not, I don't have problems, but I used to, if someone was a hospital, I have to go visit them. Oh, please don't be on a low floor. I don't want to walk up 12 flights. And there's that moment, I joke about this, there's that moment on every elevator where you get to the floor and it's like probably a tenth of a second before the door opens and you're like, oh, it's not open, it's not open. And, it, you know, and then it opens, you know. Those who deal with that, you know. But it's not debilitating and I go to the Lord, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. But, but it's kind of that panicky feeling. And actually that fits probably more in a phobia as we talk about it, it, panic disorder is this feelings, and these are feelings, okay, of extreme terror that occurs suddenly and without warning. And your heart may start pounding. You could start sweating or trembling. There could be numbness in the hands and feet, uh, dizziness and weakness or some of the other characteristics. Some people may have chest pains. Uh, some people just start breathing rapidly, okay. These are indications of panic disorder. Phobia, kind of talk, talk to that. This is a type of anxiety disorder defined by a persistent and excessive fear of an object or a situation. Again, like when elevator doors close, I mean, that's claustrophobia. Uh, I used to have trouble getting on a plane. I don't anymore. Uh, but uh, there's aerophobia, which you can guess is a fear of flying. Arachnophobia, everybody knows that. Uh, there's, there's hematophobia. There's some really weird ones out there. Anyone want to take a guess at imitophobia? Fear of vomiting. Uh, Urothophobia. We'll never guess this one. Urothophobia. Fear of blushing. So these are really, these are, I mean, we look at this, if you don't deal with it, you're like, oh, come on. But these are very real things that people struggle with. There's a reason why they struggle with them. And there's a way for us that we deal with them as Christians and we can, we can approach these things. Uh, another uh, 
a common diagnosis is uh, PTSD. This has become very big, especially in the last 15 or so years. This it's post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, this is this is anxiety and flashbacks triggered by traumatic events or an event in your life. Uh, this is a disorder in which a person has difficulty recovering after either personally experiencing or maybe they even witnessed a terrifying event. It just sticks and it just haunts them. Uh, maybe you were assaulted. Uh, it could be a natural disaster. That's why they talk about this with people in Maui now in real life. Just the trauma of what they experienced and seeing people you know, uh, die as they did. It could be a serious accident. It could be, it could be an exposure. This is a lot, you know, you hear this a lot Military, especially those who serve in combat. Uh, if you were abused physically or sexually as a child, uh, or you were neglected, severe neglect can, can work these things on you. Yeah. Again, if you saw some kind of uh, trauma or traumatic thing, uh, other things, you could be imprisonment, hostage, uh, certainly torture. These are, these are really extreme things, but all these things can bring about this PTSD, and that can be debilitating, and it can be defining for a person. <clears throat> and then the final, the final uh, diagnosis that has to do with anxiety and fear is called the, the Generalized Anxiety Disorder, GAD, GAD, the Generalized Anxiety Disorder. And it is characterized by excessive, exaggerated anxiety and just worry about everyday life events when there's no obvious reasons to difference between normal worrying and a generalized anxiety disorder um, is, is it's in this, that, that the worrying that's involved in the general anxiety disorder, it's excessive. Uh, now, excessive, that, you know, it's somewhat subjective, how you, what, what is excessive, what is not excessive. But this is worry for, for an hour, um, and that just keeps going and going and going and won't stop, and it's intrusive. GAD is intrusive because worry takes over. You can't you can't stop thinking about it. It invades other issues. It invades other things. It stamps itself on your decisions. It stamps itself on your schedule. It stamps itself on your relationships. And it's persistent. This worry doesn't give up. It doesn't let go. And as a result, it is disruptive. Okay. I know of a father who was who was always very fearful about uh, about his children where they were and whether they would be hurt or killed when they were out, especially as they went into their teen years. Uh, so as teenagers, they were given a very strict curfew. Uh, but if you got, if you weren't home like 15, 20 minutes before the end of your curfew, he was in a deep manner. He was convinced that you were dead somewhere in a ditch. And there were some times he even got in a car and went for you. That would be general anxiety disorder. It just, it was beyond what, there's no reason to think that. Um, all of these diagnoses have anxiety and fear that is common to them. There's feelings of vulnerability and worry about the future. <coughs> and that's at work in all of these, these, these diagnoses, psychiatric diagnoses on these things. Uh, we might, as Christians, process some of this a little bit differently, but I think that's just helpful for us to understand a little bit of what 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 people deal with, because the truth is we all deal with anxiety and fear to some degree. Uh, we talked about this in a, in a relationship collective. We're different in degree, not kind. And the sooner we learn that, the better we'll we'll, we'll be able to give place to compassion instead of judgment and all the other things. We're different in degree, but we all deal with essentially the same thing. It may not be as 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 extreme in our life as someone else's life, but that the reason for that is the grace of God, not us. Certainly, we cooperate with that, and we are called to cooperate with the work of the Spirit. But when we understand and we stop thinking of you and start thinking of we, it's very helpful, especially the church. And so, uh, we deal with this, and we deal with anxiety and fear because we live in a sin-broken world that has fallen, and bad things happen. Talked about. I, I, I use some of these same things. We're, we're, 
you know, this is not how it ought to be. This is not what God designed originally for human thriving. And because of sin and what sin has done in this world, we deal with broken bodies and broken relationships and broken power structures. There are threats against us, and ultimately we face the challenge of death. Anxiety is responding to the fact that we live in a dangerous world. So here's a functional definition of anxiety. Anxiety says that something bad is going to happen, and it is going to happen to someone I care about or something I care about. Let me get that to you again. Anxiety says, anxiety and the flip side of that fear, says that something bad is going to happen, and it is going to happen to someone I care about or something I care about. That's essentially what anxiety is. Fear says essentially same kinds of things. So here's some examples. Anxiety and fears for safety, for the safety of those we love. Um, I have a certain level of anxiety when I drive in San Antonio that I never have driving in, in western New York because of road rage and drive-by shootings. That didn't happen where we came from. There were other things, but that, that didn't happen. You come here and you hear about it almost monthly. And I'm aware of that when I'm driving. There's a certain level of anxiety that I deal with when I drive. And I'm constantly aware of that. Um, we can have anxiety and fear about how you will die. Some people just, you know, uh, are very fearful and anxious. Am I going to end up with some kind of progressively debilitating disease? That is, you know, that's a little scary. Or do I get cancer or Alzheimer's? Or am I going to be alone? Am I going to be penniless in my old age as I get older? We can have anxiety and fears about what happens after death. Are we going to be forgotten? Are we going to be judged? Are we going to be extinct? Uh, people develop anxiety and fears about living a meaningless life. We develop anxiety and fears about being alone or being unloved. We have anxiety and fears about being in love and the high probability of what loving someone brings with it of being hurt or maybe betrayed or maybe even abandoned. We can have anxiety and fear about what we might lose or someone who's significant in our life or losing our hair or or our youthfulness, or losing our minds, or, or our looks, or losing money, or job, or health, or hobbies, purpose, faith. All of these things, just they're just operating, and they come against us, and we deal with them to various degrees. Anytime we love or want something deeply, you will notice fear and anxiety shows up because we might lose what we love. We care deeply about many things in this world. And it's not just that the idea that something bad will happen generally, although that can cause a certain amount of anxiety and fear, but that something bad is going to happen to something I personally love or someone I personally love, something or someone. Anxiety and fear point to what we treasure and love and hold dear. When you see anxiety and fear, that's like, woo you can trace that back to what, to what you treasure in your life, to what you care about in your life. It's one of those indicators that we deal with. That can be helpful, especially as we're seeking to grow in Christ. Because there is a good side to anxiety and fear. Uh, because some of what we love, we should love, and we should care about. We should care about what happens to the people we love. Again, David Pallison said, if you are a Christian, you're signing up in one sense for anxiety. Christ calls us to care. He calls us to love his will. He calls us to love his kingdom. He calls us to love other people. He calls us to, to lay down our lives to the extent that we love that much to serve other people. You're going to have, we, I should say, are going to have right burdens on our hearts as followers of Christ. And the more we grow in faith, the more burdens that come with that faith. The more we love, the more dangers against the things we love and the people we love will grow with us. Listen to what's in 2 Corinthians 11. 
Listen to what Paul says here, beginning uh, like middle of verse 23. Paul toiled with great labors. He had far more imprisonments. He had with countless beatings and often near death. Five times, Paul says, I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And then he says this, verse 28, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul bears daily the burden of anxiety for all the churches. All that has happened to him, he feels this incredible burden. He does this. This is not a sin because he is right to have that burden. Because he loves the churches. He was rightly concerned about false teachers. He was rightly concerned about, about people who would tear uh, tear apart their souls through their false teaching. He was rightly concerned about the dangers of pride, the dangers of division, the dangers of persecution. His love for the Lord is what drove Paul. He has a righteous concern on his heart because Jesus' kingdom matters to him and Jesus' people matter to him. The issue is how we respond to the threats that come against us and against the ones that do we run to Christ in faith, or do we fret and worry about it? Anxiety and fear comes from taking, oftentimes, it comes from taking responsibility for the things which God is responsible for. So I want to do, uh, just do a little. I've been longing to use an easel and whiteboard. I get it. Okay. I actually, a friend of mine a number of years ago uh, showed this to me. It's really good. And then I found out Paul Tripp has it in one of his books. So I don't know where it came from. It didn't come from me. But I want to use it. Uh, this just helps us to understand what's going on, I think, sometimes in the world in which we live. And anxiety and fear, at least one source of anxiety and fear in our life. Uh, this circle, we're going to call it. Represents our response. I spell correctly. Trust me, that's correct. Okay. Wow. Do you know what it is? This is our responsibilities. Okay. Outside of this, in this bigger circle. This is God's. This is God's responsibility. It's just a way of helping us understand. Okay? Our responsibility is what? What is our responsibility is to obey. And we I would add to that, and I think Paul Tripp actually talked about it is to trust. And obey. How I many of you just heard a song, a hymn right there? Yeah. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy than Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, <coughs> so that's, that, our responsibility is to be obedient to God. These are the things that God has given us to do, right? These are the things, the, the God ordained duties and responsibilities we have, okay? And in this circle, we are called to obedience and faithfulness. We are to give ourselves to this. Understanding that the larger context of this, context of this is God's responsibility, which we would call his sovereignty and his providence. Everything we do is within that. Okay? We have his instruction on what it means to be a follower of Christ. So we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow. We are told 
uh, what we are to do as, as church members. Right? We're given all this instructions about how we are to, the kind of relationships that we have in the church. We're to accept others. We're to forgive others. We're to use our gifts uh, that God gives us, these abilities that God gives us. Uh, we're to use them in the church, to build the church, so the church might be built up in love, and the church might be able to do the task of going and making disciples. Uh, we have been given resources that, that support the kingdom work. We, we, have, we are told that we are to be part of what it is to make, uh, to make disciples. We all have an active part in that, in the body of Christ. We're also told what it is to be a worker. We're given instruction on the kind of workers we should be, the kind of employers if, we, if we're a boss. We're told what we're to do if we're a spouse. We're told what we're to do if we have parents, we're parents. We're told what we're to do as citizens. We're told what we're to do in the, in the earthly kingdom, wherever we are. And it's true across the world, no matter what kingdom you're in, no matter what government is. is we're, we're given the same instructions across the board, across cultures. And our response to that is to know the word and to give our heart and obedience to it. Okay? That is what we are supposed to be doing. <clears throat> In that circle, we are understanding what it is that God wants for us. But we are understanding that, and I want to say this again, that we are doing this not in our own strength. That's the trust part. And even in this, it's not just, hey, it's just us. It's what we do. It's what we figure out. It's, it's the energy we provide. It's the strength that we come with. It's the wisdom that we apply. No, even in this, our Savior is working in our lives. And we're looking to him, Lord, help me understand what obedience looks like in my job situation. Because I'm not sure. Lord, I need strength to be able to respond to a person who's hurting me. Because right now, I just want to get back at them. We're going to the Lord with these things. But we're understanding that we have responsibilities in which we are living and, and in which we are acting. Uh, it, <clears throat> we are calling on the Lord to work in us so that we might be faithful. So that's what's happening here. God's responsibility, what is God's responsibility? What? Everything else. Yeah, everything. Because we're even in his responsibility. Yeah, yeah, that's what Microsoft was. Yeah, everything else. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So, uh, you know, we're in this as well. Um, what is God responsible for? Well, we know the general everything. What does that mean? Yep. Daily bread. Daily bread. He cares for all of his creation. Absolutely. Carries our burdens. Redemption of souls. You know what? Thank you. You know whose responsibility it isn't for people to be saved? Ours. Our, we have a responsibility to share Christ, but we don't save anybody. We don't save our children. We don't save our neighbors. Only the Lord does that. And he does it through the means of sharing Christ and sharing the gospel. What else? What, what else does God, is God responsible for? Justice. That's huge. All the wrongs he's going to make right. We may not see it in our life, but we know we're going to a time where, where we'll all be like, praise the Lord, justice is reigning. Justice is ruling. You know, you know what, we're, what part of what we're talking about here? God's responsibility, a, a part of his responsibility would be his promises. What has he said he's going to do? What has he said he's going to provide? What has he said that we can count on? Conversion. Lasting fruit, directing human history, protecting us, providing for us, walking with us in our struggles, never leaving us or abandoning us. The promises just go on and on and on. Anxiety and fear.
creep up when we start carrying responsibility for the things which God is responsible for. When we start expanding our circle, where we feel like it's on us to do these things, to get these certain results. And anxiety and fear, this is a way that anxiety and fear works in our life where we're taking responsibility for that which God is responsible and and listen, when that happens, we we just get overwhelmed because we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the ability, uh, we're not called to that, obviously, and so we confuse these two circles oftentimes. So let me ask you, just kind of even at this point, are these distinct circles in your own? really see, this is where I'm responsible for. This is, not, I'm not responsible for this. This I, I see this so often in parenting. Our, our kids are grown. So I can look back. You know, I have that, that, that I don't want to say joy. <laughs> Just being able to look back and see some of the things. Some of the things that we think, wow, if I, because parents, we want so much for our kids to walk John said, right? I have no greater love, no greater joy than to know that my children are you know what? That's but we don't control that. That's not our responsibility. Our children's response is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to raise them, to teach them, to point them to Christ, to take them to church, to let them see what, what following Christ in every area of life looks like. What's how we deal with sin, how we deal with betrayal, how we deal with hurt, all of these things, how we deal with sickness. Our kids are watching that. We control how we respond to those things. We don't control whether they believe. We don't control the attitudes that they have. We can address them, but ultimately God has to do that work. And while our heart can go out, this is I, there's such freedom, I, I think. It's the same with, with, with spouses. We want our spouse to do and to be certain, but we can't control them. God's got to do that. We are called to be faithful in the things he tells us to be faithful. The same at work. You may have an unreasonable boss. And you can call upon the Lord, Lord, I just this is so hard. But we are called to be faithful in that. What does it look to be a follower of Christ with a, with a boss who's, who's unreasonable? And we can rest in that. When we, when we start thinking, we can determine outcomes, and we can control how people are going to respond, and we can control what's going on in people's hearts, we're, just, we're signing on for a boatload of anxiety when we do that. So we focus on our response, and we know that God honors us. We know, and, we're, and here's a, just to make sure we get this in the right order, because order matters here. We are not being faithful and obedient in order to be loved by God, accepted by God, to be found righteous in God. We are not doing it for those reasons. We are doing this because we are loved in God, we are accepted in God, and we do have the righteousness of God already. The order matters completely. And if we ever forget that, then this is going to become a means of righteousness in our lives instead of it being an expression of the righteousness we've received. This is how we're called to live. And in this, this honors the Lord, and this brings glory to the Lord that we bear much fruit in our faithfulness. Okay? But we have to keep this straight that even in this, we, we, are not, we are not doing these things to get from God. We are doing these things because we have received salvation already from Christ. That makes sense? We want to be careful about confusing these things anywhere in our lives. A citizen of, of the United States or, or a citizen of China who's a, who's a Christian. How are they processing that? What does that look like? Okay. And so kind of with that, I, I want to move into, basically to begin with, there are two basic truths that help us as we face anxiety and fear. And, and it's these two, these two truths. Number one. The Lord is always near to us, his children. The 
Lord is always near to his children. And the second is this. There is a huge supply of God's grace each day for his children. In these two truths, we were, when we truly grasp and own them and apply them, anxiety and fear will have trouble taking hold in us. That the Lord is always near to his children, and there is a huge supply of God's grace for his children. We have nothing to worry about. And the one we are most to fear in life, the thing we, we should be most fearful about is from judgment from God. That's been taken away. That's the greatest fear that all people should have. Okay? And that's been taken away in Christ. He delights in us and he has promised his best to us. But as so often the case, there are disconnects in our lives between what is true, what we hold to be true, and what we experience, right? That's where anxiety and fear start creeping up. Hopefully, during the course of this, we will be able to connect those dots so that what we believe is being expressed and what we experience. The, these disconnects can be powerful. And they seem so obvious when we're sitting here looking at them, but when we're in the middle of our life and the stuff keeps slamming up against us and, and uh, the, it just seems like one difficulty after another, it, it's easier for that again to be more, to be bigger and to be more, more prevalent uh, and to be more powerful in Christ. So let's look at these two truths a little bit more. The Lord is always near to his children. There is never a time or a place or circumstance that we face where we are alone. We cannot get away from the Lord. He is always, always present, right? What does the scripture say? Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He has promised this to his people from the very beginning. Isaiah 43.2 Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Matthew 28. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Jeremiah 23, 23. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? See, the issue is we hear that, and in this moment our souls are just, yes, that's awesome. But does it connect when we leave here and start facing the things that we deal with in our lives? Is it functionally taking hold? This is part of growth and grace. And I would hope like, that you would be able to see, like, yeah, I still deal, deal with fear and anxiety. But you know, two years ago, it was much worse. I see the Lord has grown me in response. And that gives me, continues to give me hope that two years from now, I'll grow even more. My response faith and trust you know it's that I talk about this it, it, we're not all we could be but we're not what we once were don't forget that we're always moving God because God's always going someplace good with us people, people get people go with us don't they? Um, well what do we mean that the Lord is near to his children I mean this can be a difficult truth for us at times because Jesus is not physically himself present on earth he is physically present with, with God the Father right now. He's, he's physically at the right hand of the Father. Jesus didn't turn back to, to the Spirit. Jesus is still, he will be physical for, for all eternity. So he's physically with the Father right now until the Father says, go and get, go and get, get your people. 1 Peter 3.22 says, Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. That's where Jesus is. So in what way is the Lord near us? 
Well, last week's collective was about the Lord is near us by His Spirit. The Spirit is the active presence of Christ in our life. He is God in our life. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the truth of Spirit. Even the, even the truth of Spirit. You know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is saying, this is how I'm coming to you. The Spirit of Christ indwells us. He is that active presence of Christ. And by His Spirit, Jesus is always on scene in your life. You know what on scene means? It's like an actor. Hey, I'm in that scene, so I'm on stage. I'm on scene there. He's always in your life. He's always on scene. He's always present. This is the Spirit work. He is always with us. He always sees. He always hears us. He's always walking in us and walking with us. He always appeals to the Father on our behalf. The Lord is near us by His Spirit. That's enough right there. God comes and dwells with us. That, that's just, that's remarkable. But the Lord is also with us in His Word. Jesus is the point of the whole Scripture. We've talked about this times. It's all about him. John 5, 39. Jesus was kind of, well, he was rebuking the religious leaders and he said, you search scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness to me that you refuse to come to me. But you might have one. All scripture points to Jesus. <clears throat> Same thing was happening on the road to Emmaus. I think it's just so important we keep understanding this. When Jesus appears after his resurrection, he appears to these two Two men who are walking on the road. They're talking about all that has happened with Jesus' crucifixion, the fact that, that the tomb was empty, the report of the women who had gone to the tomb, and now the disciples. And Jesus, after walking with them, he begins to talk to them. And he says, that, the scripture says this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. See, the spirit quickens and makes the word of life. He makes the word alive. He brings Christ closer. The scripture isn't just about the Lord as we read and hear it. We encounter the Lord as we read and hear it. We're meeting him there. He is near us by his word. We need the word because it is the living one. It is Christ. And so we read it to understand it. To, to experience Christ, to see Christ, to understand who he is, to understand what he did. But we are also drawn to that. The word is Christ. And the third way that, that Jesus never leaves us, he's always with us, is by his people. We are the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Ephesians 4, 15. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, and from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church. Listen, the Lord is near us through, through his people because the church is the physical presence of Christ on this earth. We are the body. We are his hands. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are the physical body of Christ on this earth what the scripture is telling us. And we are, the scripture says, in that we are this aroma of Christ. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. Listen, the, draw, the Lord draws near his, to us through his people. And this is why it is such a work of the, the enemy to isolate, separate, and, and, and allow the things that happen, which can be very difficult in church, allow that to, to to alienate people and pull them away from the body of Christ. 
It happens again and again. I know many of you have experienced hurt. Many of you have experienced hurt. I've experienced hurt in church. My family, if you've been in church, you've been hurt. But don't let the enemy use that to drive us away. Because when we're like that, anxiety and fear just pounces. And you do not have the means of grace that God has given to you. One of the means of grace that God has given you, which is the body of Christ. To encourage us, to come alongside of us, to hold up our arms when we're weak. To, to, to pray and speak into our lives when we're discouraged. We need to keep pushing and pursuing this at all times. Not just when we're when we feel anxious or we feel fearful. Um, that that's an important point to make right now. To deal with anxiety and fear, especially if we, we, we know that it can be strong at certain times in our lives. We need we need to be doing these things, pushing on these things, going to these things when maybe the anxiety and fear isn't so strong. Instead of waiting to oh all of a sudden. I'm just overwhelmed by anxiety and fear. I guess I need to be calling out to the Lord. I need to be remembering these things. We should be pursuing these things and pushing on these things all the time in our life so that when we hit that next thing, it's not going to be, yeah, I'm living my life this way. I'm going to step out of where I'm going and go over here and deal with this stuff. No, you're dealing in faith. You're walking, and when anxiety hits, you're already walking with the Lord. You're already looking at Him. You're always already confident in the, the Spirit who dwells within us. You're already looking and immersed in the Word of God. You're already tied to the people of God. You see that? So much we segregate our lives out so much. I'm going to, we do this with so many things in the Christian life. I'm going to live my life over here, and I'm going to step out of it to evangelize and go down there and go do this. I'm going to live my life over here, doing, I'm doing my thing, and I'm going to step out of that and go serve a church. I'm going to No, Jesus incorporates all of that into one, one flow in your life. But that is who we are. And so we are in, we, 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 the, this is how the Lord is with us. And when he is with us, listen, anxiety and fear have to take back seat. We're really, really pushing on this. We don't want anxiety and fear to dictate to us. And there are times when, when we, you've heard this before, you have to stop listening to yourself. And you have to start talking to yourself. Now, you've been in our church. You've heard that many times. Pastor Philip has said that many, many times. I've, I've referenced it on certain occasions. Um, and, it, and it's wonderful and it's helpful. But we don't want that statement to overreach either. Because we need to be in tune with our bodies. We need to be in tune with what's happening on that level. We need to be in tune if our bodies are telling us we're tired or we're hurting or we're thirsty or we're hungry. We need to be aware of what we're feeling in those, if we're feeling anxious or worried or angry or frustrated. We need to push on why we are feeling those things. So I'm not saying live in denial. That serves no one. It certainly doesn't honor Christ. We don't live in denial where we just ignore what we feel. But there is a point where we say, yes, I feel this. Yes, this is going on. But I'm not letting that dictate to me. I want Christ and his word and his people to have the biggest voice in my life. And when we're dealing with anxiety and fear, it can be so powerful and the voice is so loud that we have to say, I'm not listening to that voice. I'm listening to the voice of my Savior and the voice of the word. So, okay, let me just go a few more minutes and then we'll have a break. Our goal is to be more confident in how Jesus made a way to be present with us and that he would never leave us. It is to be more confident in that than we are with anything else. Okay. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, confession is a big part of that. Anxiety prefers trust in itself and its fears of the future rather than in God. Anxiety prefers that we trust in itself and we trust in the fear for the future in 
instead of trusting in God. That's where fear wants to take us. That's where anxiety wants to take us. It wants us to focus on trusting what we're feeling about the future instead of trusting God. And that is when we go from feelings of anxiety and worry to act, anxiety and fear to actually worrying and fretting because we're demonstrating we're demonstrating trust not in God, but we're demonstrating trust in our fears and anxiety. We're actually demonstrating faith in those moments, but not faith in God, but faith in our fears and anxiety. So we have to confess that. Why do we confess that? What do we call that? It's called sin. It's called idolatry. Something is taking the place of God in our lives. <coughs> we have to confess that we are creatures, not the creator. We confess that we don't know what God knows in these situations. We don't know what's happening anymore. God hasn't said, here's a file of your future. Open it and look at it. He doesn't give that to you. He calls us to trust him. We confess that we are children. We are God's children. And we don't know everything. We don't know what will happen in the future. We confess that in our anxiety and fears, we are looking into the future and making confident predictions. But we're not looking at Christ. Fear and anxiety is saying, hey, it's looking, it's prophetic in a sense. It's looking forward and saying, this is what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's speaking to us. We're trusting that what it's saying is, it's true. It's going to happen. We confess that in our fears and anxiety, we are looking into the future. In, a, in our anxiety and fear, we confess we are essentially accusing God of not being good, of not being kind, of not being wise, of not being able, of not being strong, and of not being there with us. That's what fear and anxiety is taking us. We're saying, God, yeah, you promised all these things that you said you're going to do, but you're really not going to do that. What's really going to happen is what my fear and anxiety is telling me going to happen. So we have to confess that. We have to confess that we are essentially saying, yeah, God, you're really not good. I really can't trust you with tomorrow. I really can't trust you with this relationship. I can't trust you with this decision. I can't trust you with our finances. I can't trust you with the salvation of my kids. I can't trust God. I, and because I've I got to take all this on myself, and that just builds into more anxiety and fear in Confession is essential in dealing with anxiety and fear in our lives. Confession admits that our anxiety and fear are not Lord, but that there is a great Lord. Confession brings Christ and the power of the gospel front and center. And again, don't wait until you're feeling anxiety. That should be part of your life. Do this work before. If you know there are certain things that trigger you, certain things that bring anxiety in your life, be working before you get there. Don't wait till you get there. The second truth is this. There's a huge supply of God's grace each day for his children. The Old Testament, I love this verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never ceases. It never stops. It never comes to an end. His mercies are new every morning. <coughs> Great is your faithfulness. Man, camp out there. Build your spiritual home on, one of, on a promise like that. Let that be part of the foundation. I am so encouraged that while we slept last night, God was working. And he was working the mercies. We may not be aware. We may not be looking. That's, that's, that's us. We're not being faithful. We're just trusting. But he did that. He does that for his children. We are made to live today. And his supply of grace is abundant each and every day. The emphasis of scripture is always today. Again, I... I I think it is there's wisdom about looking forward, there's wisdom about thinking about certain things, but the focus needs to be on today. Philippians 4, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart 
your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's a daily emphasis here in this verse. The Lord is near now. Today, don't be anxious today. Today, pray. Today, bring your supplications to the Lord. Today, be thankful is what he's saying. We are to focus our attention and energy here and now and let God take care of what's coming next. That is how he calls us to live. He calls us to take the next step in faith, trusting that you will be there for the next step. We are going to focus our energy here and now. When Jesus taught us to pray, appreciate John bringing this up earlier, he taught us to ask for what? He said, give us bread. How often? One increment. Daily. Now, there have been times in my life where I'm praying like, Lord, I would really appreciate uh, some months of bread. Or I'd even take you. Or weekly. There's a sense of dependency that comes upon us when we're looking to the Lord for His sustenance, when we're looking to the Lord for His provision in our lives. Daily, we're called to lean upon the Lord. Daily, we're called to look to the Lord. Daily, we're called to be faithful in this moment. What has He called me to to this day? And I'm going to trust Him with what's coming tomorrow. But I am going to focus on today. Again, this doesn't preclude that you can't, that wisdom doesn't look, financially into the future, that wisdom doesn't look like you have, to, you have to think down the road. But I'm going to be fully present here in this moment, in this day, with this next step that I'm taking, that I might take it in faith, that I might take it in trust, in obedience to the Lord. I mean, we can see this daily emphasis of how God led the people out of Egyptian bondage, right? We talked about this. I actually preached this last week. This is what... In Exodus 16, this is what the Lord commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as you can eat, this manna. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in the tent. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could. When the sun grew hot, it melted. And then Jesus comes along in John 6, 31 says, I'm the manna. Me, daily. In just me, trust in me, turn to me daily. In Jesus, we have the bread of life. And in that, we, we, and through him, we receive grace every day. What is, okay, what is grace? We throw that around a lot. What is grace? God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. What's mercy? It's holy back. Oh, good. That's excellent. Yeah, here's, here's how I would say it. Mercy is that what we deserve, we don't get. Grace is that what we receive, we don't deserve. Mercy is what we deserve, we don't receive. Grace is what we receive, we don't deserve. What do we, what do we deserve that we don't get? Judgment, wrath, punishment, eternal damnation, alienation, everything destroyed, no hope, no anything. That's what we deserve, our sin deserves. Well, what do we get that we don't deserve? Love, except forgiveness of sin. We are justified. We are made holy in His sight. We are given the righteousness of Christ. We are adopted into His family. Uh, we have eternal life. We are filled with the Spirit. We are given the gifts of the Spirit, we are the fruit of I mean, it just goes on and on. And God has this unlimited mercy and this unlimited grace for us. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Let's be clear. Grace is the only means by which God relates to us. Do we get that? If we move over into, I'm going to earn things, then we're going to earn judgment. Everything good in our life comes from the Father through faith. And we are not worthy of it. We do not earn it. We cannot earn it. It's unearnable. 
His grace, His riches, His loving favors, He delights in pouring out on His children what we need and what is necessary, not what we deserve and are worthy of. Again, James tells us that every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? I love that verse. It's just so cool. All of this starts playing into how we, how we deal with the anxiety and fears, the things that we're bargained by in our life. We're looking to the Lord who has this incredible, overwhelming, daily grace and mercy for our lives. God's grace is abundant. We cannot exhaust it. It's inexhaustible. It covers all sin. It overcomes every obstacle. It reaches into every part of our soul. And it cleanses us and renews us from within. And it never stops doing that. See, the, the, the future tries to sneak in and threaten us. And it tries to obscure what Christ is. It tries to say, there's not really grace because you sinned. You did this for the 17th time this week. You really don't. You're not getting So we must hear the command of our Lord in Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That, that, he's giving us this so that we can deal with anxiety and fear in our lives. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. It will be anxious for itself. Now, he's not really saying that tomorrow feels anxiety. Um, only beings... Human beings feel anxiety and worry. Tomorrow is not a person. Tomorrow is time. <laughs> but Jesus is saying that someone greater, someone more powerful, someone more able, who is good and kind and true, and who loves us and gives us his favor, he's caring for your tomorrow. He's already in it. That's what he's saying here. God owns tomorrow. And so we, we turn to him and trust right now. The one who sent his only begotten son, not to judge, but to deliver from condemnation. He took us from sin and self and transformed us by his son. This is our God. This is the one who loves us. This is how we deal with this. There's no magic pill. There's no, you know, magic prayer that you're going to say and all the anxiety and stuff. It, it, it's, it's understanding who God is who Christ is, what he's done for us, and how he's provided and promised us. It's understanding the difference between our responsibility and God's responsibility. Jesus is saying someone greater is, has our lives. So we trust him for tomorrow, and we look to today. Fight the fight of faith today. Believe that he is near do what he calls us to faith and humility, calling upon the Lord, looking for strength and wisdom to obey the things he calls us to, wanting to honor him and glorify him, do his kingdom work, love others, give to them, care for people, what commands us to do, what God commands us to do, the Spirit's going to enable us to do. So remember this, as we think about worry and anxiety and tomorrow, uh, this is Corey Tinboom said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrow. It empties today of strength. The Lord is near to his, to his people. And there is abundant grace and mercy for us each day. That's, that's how we begin to deal with this. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back.